Welcome to System Mastery, the only podcast in history to not be about grisly small-town murders. On today's episode, we finally cave to pressure, and we'll discuss the unsolved case of grisly murder that chilled an unsuspecting small American town. It turned out the creepy quiet guy did it. Oh, I'm just kidding. We're going to discuss Ray Winninger's Underground, one of those super edgy superhero games from the 90s, that decade when everyone started hating the idea that any superhero wasn't a broken, crushed, insane person. Oh, shoot, I'm giving the whole game away. Like some sort of small-town murder suspect. I'm getting out of here. It's System Mastery. Welcome back. It's System Mastery. That's right. It's System Mastery. That's Jeff. I'm John. I bought a drink today. And... God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. I'm interrupting. Breaking news. Who drinks this cheap shit? All right. But I'm putting it on my checklist of times where I get to fuck with, with a movie mastery. <laughs> uh, I bought uh, the Artist Marshmallows Limited Edition creation, uh, where apparently the creation was... Turning the Coca-Cola logo into cum. Yeah, that's definitely got a Coca-Cola after a spirited evening uh, vibe to it. That's for sure. That is Coca-Cola waiting on the bed while you get a towel. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's drippy and white. <laughs> it's kind of like that that Mickey Mouse hat that was a thing. Remember that from like a couple uh, yes, days the ago? The platinum anniversary. Minnie is dripping cum with hat. excitement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently this is a watermelon strawberry flavored Coke. How come it doesn't taste like marshmallow? Like is that is would that be beneath the the talents of marshmallow? I think it's the... because they tried to already make a marshmallow flavored one uh, okay. that might have been like the pixels or whatever. <laughs> you know, Coke. I just space. want to be like, why doesn't Coke marshmallow taste like marshmallow and have him show up in here and be like, because I'm a fucking artiste. <laughs> I feel like you may not have seen any of my Fortnite extravaganzas. You may not have seen me in a fortnight. <laughs> I'm bigger than black pink, motherfucker. <laughs> and I'd be mm. like, no, you aren't. And he'd, he'd agree with me then. Mm. Hmm. So how is it? Have some. Okay. Try I, that. It's a, who, it's a who drinks this expensive limited edition shit. Oh, man. That is uh, the one thing I'll say is I'm not getting a lot of Coke out of that. No, that's pretty much accurate. Yeah, it pretty much just tastes like. Like a strawberry watermelon Snapple that someone ran through a soda stream. Pretty much. I'm like, it's heavy on the strawberry, a little bit of watermelon, zero Coke. I gotta say, Coke zero. you could have told me that that was just a carbonated strawberry kiwi high C, and I would have believed you. Yeah. Like, I don't even need to be, I would believe you if you told me it wasn't watermelon. If you're like, this is strawberry kiwi, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds stupid. Sure, let's, it's let's strawberry it. and something slightly. Yeah. Strawberry and <laughs> so we yeah I, I can't give this an especially high grade I'm not getting the watermelon I don't like watermelon so I'm gonna bump it up a half grade for that I fucking love watermelon well okay I don't like fake watermelon I fucking love fake watermelon <laughs> watermelon on my banana uh, and banana yeah watermelon so, watermelon on my banana <laughs> is the new the hit song of the summer <laughs> by Motley Crue. <laughs> Yes, they're still around. Yes. <laughs> but no, I was going to say, watermelon and banana are my two real or nothing flavors where I can't stand the fake version. I mean, obviously, everyone hates fake banana. Yeah. Like, there are very few people that are like, ooh, give me that fake banana. I knew one person mm. 
and he was a freak. <laughs> One of those people who's like, ooh, they got that banana Slurpee. Give me that shit. That's my favorite. And I'm like, ugh. Some sort of dude who's like, ooh, I hope they still have whorehound drops. Type- I like my candies antediluvian. He's the type of dude who would uh, go down on a lady but wouldn't share a straw. That kind of thing. <laughs> He's like, no, that's gross. Hey, look, we can both go down on this lady, but you need to bring your own straw. That's the po- that's the point I'm trying to make. I, I BYOS, weird dude, <laughs> weird guy. All right, I'm I'm with you on that now. That's a weird guy. Look, let's talk about Ray Winninger's Underground. So Ray Winninger's Underground. Now, I'm not going to say that this 1993 superhero role playing game should serve as a bellwether for whether or not Ray Winninger, the current head of development and just the sort of guy in charge of D&D right now uh, should be in that position. Hmm. And I'm certainly not going to review this game as if it was a a litmus test for whether or not he belongs in that spot. But, you know, you can draw your own conclusions. That's uh, that's a thing I can't stop you from doing. I can't stop you from Uh doing it. So, you know, if uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, should this determine whether or not Ray Winninger should lose his job and be uh, be run through the streets? That's right. That's our our, <laughs> our new position uh-huh. at System Mastery is the ability to ruin a man. <laughs> Look, I tried to get the position of CEO of Tits at Cinemax, <laughs> and I, there's already a guy that does it, apparently, and i got to wait my turn. Uh, so instead, I determine who lives and who dies at Wizards. Oh, <laughs> uh, but at least get me a shirt that says CEO of Tits at Cinemax. <laughs> I will have those custom made for your birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Which is very soon. Which is tomorrow, or I guess today, if you're listening to this the day it comes out. Yes, so, you know, happy birthday to John. Hey! Which is exactly why we're going to send out this dedicated version of Counting Crows long December. <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> That's just, we did that like two months ago when it was your dad's birthday, and oh. now now all times we dedicate a birthday on the show, it's Counting Crows long December. <laughs> That's all we do. Yeah. That's the, that's the birthday song it's, now. It's a, yeah. Well, we don't have the rights to the other one, but it turns out it's real cheap to get a Counting Crows song. Oddly enough, <laughs> we're the sole owner of Counting Crows Long December. <laughs> yeah, we just bought it outright. We didn't even license the usage. Nope. It's ours now. So, okay. To get, to get to the actual point, I got this question. I asked John a couple days ago, how many role-playing games are we going to read? And I think this is four or five for us now that are just superhero games from the 90s where you can just tell, you can just feel that the author just finished reading The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> like a minute ago. Like he just finished chain reading his way through through uh, The Killing Joke, Dark Knight Returns, and maybe Watchmen, and then was like, I can do better than that shit. I'm going to edge it up even more and use even more Peter Chung-looking art. <laughs> the See, thing is... I disagree with you a little bit. Okay. I I feel the Dark Knight Returns is extremely present here. Uh, Given that this is more... I feel like this game is more of a commentary on, you know the way that we treat our veterans rather than just comic books. No, I think you're you're right there. That's that's kind of the lens through which he chose to attack the Dark Knight Returns storyline exactly, but um or setting exactly rather. I shouldn't say storyline. But yeah, it is basically like what if Batman was a, a instead of his parents getting murdered and that's why he's a he's a masked vigilante. It's what if Batman went to Vietnam and no one liked him when he came back. <laughs> I mean, it's it's <sighs> 
I don't hate this the way that you apparently do. No, I don't hate it. I just feel like it's kind of a retread, although it's from 93, so it might predate a lot of those. In my mind, well, yeah, when you start so looking these, at a lot of the shit like Brave New World and yeah, all of that, where you're like, oh, what, what if superheroes were assholes? And I'm like, okay, but at least it doesn't start from the there are superheroes and. No. It's like, no, this is all just we treat our you know, soldiers as superheroes, but then when we're done with them, we discard them. No, that is true. It's got a very trenchant commentary built into it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no getting around that. There's, there's huge chunks of this book that are about, like, how the veterans affairs programs of the 90s were choked into obscurity, so you couldn't even use them. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there's all that stuff. But also, it is still a book about, like, just the stupidest jokes about the, f- the future and how it's all going to be shitty and Reagan-esque. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't... It's both. It's got a really strong commentary message about veterans and the way we treat them in the world, but also it's got, like, newscasters that are just half of a super smiling face who are like, ha-ha, today over a thousand people were murdered. Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. That kind of shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's unfortunate because it really does do the whole, like, uh, I want to take uh, certain ideas and things and go, oh, we're going to do commentary on a lot of social issues and the way that we treat things and corporate greed and all of that sort of things. But then it's also like, ah, but half of our companies are called like fart kickers anonymous. Yes. And we own the business world. And you're like, stop it. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's, let's get the setting out of the way. Uh, let, let's start with that. And then we'll, we'll, we'll do it pretty quick and then we'll do the rules. Yes. Uh, it's th- the far future of 2021. It's 2021. Uh, mm-hmm. but the game was written in 93 and the, the, uh, the effects of the world started being affected in the eighties in this game. So it is a very much an alternate history future. Well, I mean, the big thing is 96 aliens, alien spaceship crash lands yeah. on, uh, Florida. Uh huh. So America manages to get this, uh, little like life pod, not even like a full spacecraft, just like a little, you know, life pod that had two aliens in it yeah and i do like the the whole thing in there where they're like oh yeah look conspiracy theories are fucking stupid as hell because the second we got that and started doing anything with it it immediately leaked yeah like there is no way you can keep that under wraps the whole thing about the government being a big old conspiracy theory mill is always disproven by the fact that you can't tell three people a secret and expected to stay a secret let alone thousands oh yeah because they were like yeah they took it to you know a secret place and began doing some secret experiments on it and one scientist went well fuck that i'm gonna go use it for stuff exactly so in this case it's these two lobster looking aliens come down in a bioorganic life pod and it turns out their technology is all based on genetic manipulation of amino acid chains so everything they do is crusts and goops and 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 serums same it's all it's all that just goos uh and and uh we're like ah let's use this for our own purposes they start using it for all kinds of technology uh it becomes a a thing where the rest of the world is mad at the u.s a giant cold war erupts uh the u.s starts sharing out technology obviously they do the standard dystopian cyberpunk future of corporations are granted company or a country status and start having their own private armies uh there's a lot of jokes along the way about how, like, there's corporate-sponsored amendments to the Constitution now. I like the little bit of hopefulness in this book that there will ever be an amendment to the Constitution again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I understand. If you're writing something and it's like, yo, we started writing this in the early 90s. This came out in 93, so it had to be start writing in, like, 91, 92. You are just coming out of the 80s. Yeah. I'm being like... 
all right, well, what do I know? Uh, Cold War shit. You're yeah. like, great. New Cold War starts, and we're going to have it be through the lens of corporate stuff because we also just got out of the 80s, and that's the only thing that anyone directly after the 80s knew was corporations take over and they are bad. Yeah, and in this case, they take over in a lot of bad, but you know, mostly just ways to make fun of kids these days type ways. Where they're like, oh, you know, all the music of today sucks. You're going to hear the term system systematic overload, I think they're called, a lot. Because he only thought of one fake band, and so just constantly references that. He also only thinks of one fake restaurant, so you're going to hear the term tasty ghoul about 30 million times. It's not going to be funny after the first one. Oh. Uh, and even then, it's not going to be funny. Because the whole ge- the gimmick is, uh, cannibalism is in... Everyone likes to eat people, and they trick you by having you sign your your driver's license, and as soon as you sign it, if you're in a car accident, they get your body. Yeah, instead of organ donor stuff, now you're just a body donor to the McDonald's of cannibalism. Yeah. You're like, all right, I guess, that's fine. And then you're like, I I guess that might be like a niche market, like, unless human happens to taste spectacularly good, it's not going to be able to compete with fucking mcdonald's but no it's the only joke you're gonna get for the rest of this book is constantly people be being like i eat a tasty goal ghoul i'm a people person the i mean i did like the one thing in this where basically their their version of mcdonald's mm-hmm. where it was like mcdolan's or whatever yeah uh they took the uh, like all the ridiculous super alien tech, and they're like, all right, we can make clones, and we can, you know, make super cheap labor, and we'll make them so that... They only they... like to eat our food, yeah. Well, the thing is, we'll make them so that they are essentially without the ability to think they have problems with their prefrontal lobe, yeah. and they're like, oh, and we're going to make them genetically predisposed to eat our food, but while they were doing the cloning thing, they were like, oh, it actually makes way more sense... Instead of making these guys to be like, oh, we're going to make them for, like, work. Like, oh, no. Oh, we we just, instead of cloning beef, we'll make dudes that want to eat our food. Yeah. So. They immediately started the, pro- the process of cloning basically their own customer base. They were like, let's just make as many people as possible, genetically engineer them to be stupid and want to eat our food, and then we'll be set for life. It costs yeah. 60000 to make a clone, and most of them spend upwards of $200,000 on hamburgers and people burgers over the course of their entire life. So it's just a money-making opportunity. Oh, yeah, because they were like, oh, originally the plan was we'll clone beef. That way we can have meat without yeah. having to worry about all of the, like grazing and whatnot and then they went oh it's too expensive but so here's the thing those people are called prefrontals and they are basically the chattel class of the future they live in in uh like public housing that's sort of isolated from the rest of the world because no one likes to deal with them obviously because they take all the gerbs um and so they're just sort of a a sort of slave cast that exists in the world and just watches tv eats hamburger and does boring menial jobs and lie um but uh, you know what ha- all this has to do with the book? Fucking nothing. It's just it's just a fun little. St- it's basically just a Reader's Digest joke on the way to telling the story about the veterans and shit. I mean, there is a lot of like background world building yeah. shit in this. Yeah, it's a lot a lot of world building that goes nowhere, and you're just kind of slogging through until you get to the stuff about who you play as. Who do you play as? Well, obviously, the moment they started genetically engineering people, they started genetically engineering super soldiers. Uh, in this case, the super soldiers got bigger. Oh, first they weren't 
genetically engineered volunteers. They were taking people out of cryo freeze uh, because those people, like I, I guess in this world, the cryo freeze, pro- freeze process left the person intact but destroyed their brain. Well, what happened was the initial problem they had with trying to give people superpowers was they were like, all right, we can go in, we can change your DNA, we can rewrite you so that you will have all of these powers, mm-hmm. but as your cells replicate and replace themselves, they're just replacing with normal cells and not our super cells. Yeah. So, so the they first- had to get people that didn't have regenerative capabilities, which were the cryogenically frozen. Right. So those people get artificial brains because their brains are destroyed by the process. And also they can't naturally heal because the freezing process destroyed their ability to regenerate cells. So effectively, the first wave of super soldiers was just like zombie Johnny Carson or anyone who was rich enough to have themselves frozen. But now they're dumb because they have artificial brains, even though they still have some sort of genetic memory of who they used to be. Well, like it's a gimmick so that you can play as your favorite celebrity as a frozen zombie super soldier idiot. The artificial brain thing was like, oh yeah, and some regular people will just get artificial brains and sell off parts of their brain to use in like organic computing, which is a big thing. All the robots have like a dog brain or a part of a human brain in them, yeah. But the artificial brain is basically like, Oh, this just sort of does base run like what you can do as a human. So it's just like, oh, it makes you happier because you don't think about things. Yeah. If it wasn't a game from 1993, it would be Idiocracy is a a, uh, documentary, the game. Because everything just keeps leading back around to people voluntarily make themselves stupid so that their lives will be easier. Yeah. In this one, we as well, before even the cryogenic one, they tried to do it with people normally and then they just went absolutely completely batshit loco yeah they went crazy because they couldn't handle having the power so then they make the cyber zombie frozen celebrities you know uh, and then after that they develop a virtual reality program where you spend 14 months in a test tube uh during which you live an entire lifetime as a four color for a uh, uh, panel driven comic superhero yeah you become the blue beetle from the, f- the 30s or something and you have a whole life and uh, the the major problem with this is they wake you up right before you die, and they do all the superhero things to give you the proper sense of morality. They give you the girlfriend, they give you the arch nemesis, they kill the girlfriend, you kill the arch nemesis. It goes on and on like that. Then they wake you up right before your character would die. Can't wake up. <laughs> and uh, you, you wake me up inside. <laughs> you come back with not you have a full memory of that life, but it's like it was a dream, and now you're not afraid to use your powers. The problem, of course, being that. Uh, you, you automatically come back online with that, like, like, uh, Mr. A level Randy and objectivism super uh, of superheroes where you're like, everyone is either good or evil. There are no shades of gray and my enemies are the blackest of all. It's that. So I don't know. I, I guess they're using old Charleston comics as their baseline for the VR simulator. See, the way you read that is not the way I read it in that it's like, <laughs> oh, you come out with superhero morality in that instead of it being like, Oh, in your day-to-day life, you'd look and go, well, shrug, what are we going to do, huh? Corporations and the government. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, no, so many people, the title of it, Underground, is the sort of resistance resistance of veterans who come back and are like, no, turns out the government is evil and we should probably get rid of it. No, I agree with you. You're not wrong about that. But the example of what the, the slumberland process does includes people who go like so black and white on their law morality that they kill jaywalkers and shit. Like that's that. It's a description of yeah. the book of shit that happens. It's it's just one of the the unexpected side effects of the process. 
but they still do the same process. It's just different in other countries. Obviously, the world is grouped into three major superpowers based on whether you're American, European, or from the cooler parts of Asia, and then the rest of the world just doesn't matter at all. No. Uh, everywhere else doesn't get to have things. Our current Cold War is between mm -hmm. essentially the U.S., Neo-Deutschland, and China. Yes. China, Which Japan. I'll go ahead and say, hey, I'm glad that they decided to make, given that this was 93, the main bad guy was China and not Japan, given that mm -hmm. every single fucking thing from this time was like, and then Japan becomes a superpower and they turn into samurais. Well, if it helps, the Far East Collective, as it calls itself for some reason, I'm sure people in that part of the world love to call themselves the Far East and the Orient. Uh, but anyway, uh, it comprises J uh, China, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, North Korea, and I want to say one other, but I don't remember which one. Probably just Vietnam or something. Well, yeah. So no, it's also Japan. It's, no, it is, but, but it's the more main Chinese. thing is yeah. China. The just like the the European commune is yeah. basically all of Europe, but the one that matters is Neo-Deutschland. Yeah, which is not a good look. They they definitely do a lot of... A lot of the, the heroes that are super soldiers coming out of that part of the world are called hair something or other. So yeah, that's... and they... You know, like we mentioned, there's they don't use the same program for no. like U.S. soldiers. They have to go through a VR program that's like, oh, you turn into, you know, superheroes and then you wake up and whatever we were programming your body to have power wise is what we made your superhero persona have. Yes. So you'll be OK with it because you would go crazy from the disconnect of like, oh, I went under, then woke up and now I can, you know, kind of lift a car or whatever sure. and you can't deal with that mentally maybe i'm the bigger cynic but i'm really glad this book did not tell us what the program is like for oh, the asian collective for sure i'm like <laughs> i guarantee you I, there's an underground sl splat book that does uh -huh. but the fact that they did not tell us what either of the other two cold war people are doing with their programs i was like good thank you thank you thank you i didn't have to read the word honor 16 times in a row although they did say they're like oh we won't tell you exactly what it is but know that of course the european one uh has to do with like basically randy and nazi yeah. you are better than other people and so your program is like ah you get into slumberland but when you go down you get like Nazi propagandize that you are yeah. an actual Ubermensch. Yeah, you come out the other side named Ober Lieutenant Ubermensch, and it's it's very on the sleeve, shall we say? And thankfully, they let Asia stay in that inscrutable version of racism, as opposed to explaining it all and getting everything wrong. Yeah, there's plenty of other shit about about uh, the rest of the world that has gotten wrong in this book, so it's fine. There's plenty left over. Huh? Um, I'm sure it's all in service of satire. So but the the big thing with the Cold War in this. And the corporations is eventually nations are like, oh, we don't want to fight. We want to have fight by proxy. Yeah. And instead of doing the like, oh, we have the CIA go make some country attack some other country for us. Yeah. Instead, they're like, oh, we'll just have a corporation amend the constitution so that corporations can have their own private armies mm -hmm. and then hire a corporation's private army to then go do our interests abroad. Yeah. And in exchange for the fact that they're going to serve as permanent war machines, all the corporations get land and on that land, American laws don't apply. Yeah. They have they just do whatever sovereign they land yeah. that they get to do whatever with. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's not very well explained how the world is divvied up as a result of that. Like how even how America is divvied up as a result of that. But just so you know, yes, there are a couple of major corporations. They all have, 
extremely terrible names. Oh, yeah. There's disposable heroes and allied mayhem. Avant garbage. Well, avant garbage is the video, like the video people. And I'm like, stop that. Just, no. just yeah, no one's doing that. That's again, that's a very dark night thing. But anyway, um, each one of them mostly bought the rights to old American military names so they could buy the valor. So you have like the hunt, like one of these companies owns the 101st Airborne and their group of superheroes is called the 101st Airborne. Yeah. They're uh, the Screaming Eagles. Yes. And so there are like four major groups you can be a member of if you would like to. You don't need to be. You can be from any other organization, any other major corporation, any other battalion within those corporations. But there is pretty much always at least 10 to 20 wars going on anywhere in the world at any given time. Yeah. Because corporations are constantly fighting each other over all kinds of minor things because countries want them to. And they also fight over things because they're constantly raiding each other for talent. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you have things where it's like, all right, we need, now that we've got all of this weird alien tech, we need to be able to sell it somewhere. And so they're like, all right, well, we need to go into other countries. And then the Cold War is basically like, uh, we're going to try and establish our foothold in whatever third world country so that we can sell our stuff there. Yeah. And then some other corporation gets hired to be like, no, stop them. And so if you are a soldier that signs up with one of these, you know, disposable heroes or whatever, you go through essentially a two year process of the like year and some slumberland VR training. Mm -hmm. Then once you get out a year of actual, you know, real world training Mm -hmm. and then then about four to six years of nonstop war. Yes. And then when you're done, you do what's called mustering out, where you get dumped back into society. They give you a little bonus. I think it's like two months pay. And you're supposed to access all the veteran care benefits that are available from the United States. But as we are told routinely throughout the book, they uh, might as well not exist because they are so overtaxed and overburdened. Uh, yeah. So that's they have a free housing thing. But yeah. they were like, oh, we made all of the free housing exist just in California and in certain small areas so we can keep an eye on all of our super-powered vets that we don't want to deal with. And they don't want to f- solve the problem of the fact... That, here's here's the thing. To get the trenchant allegory to make sense, they have to make it so when the veterans come back, they don't fit into society, and they end up falling through the cracks and becoming problems. Yeah. They have a, a number of ways to do that. You could just use the way that actually happens, which is uh, PTSD plus lack of access to proper health care equals a huge homeless population and a lot and a lot of people suffering and struggling. Uh-huh. You could have done that. Or you could do the thing where whether you use their powers, it makes them go cuckoo. And and it the problem is it happens while they're also at war, which leads me to be like, why the fuck would you make these guys? You could either have a soldier and give him a gun and he could shoot people from like 1,800 yards away, or you could make a guy with a super bite that does almost as much damage as a gun, but if he bites people three times, he goes insane and has to hide in an attic for two days. And I'm like... Why the fuck would I want that second guy? Well, because the second guy can still hold a gun and shoot people. Not while he's fucking hiding in an attic. That's why he doesn't bite people unless he needs to. I'm just to. saying the superpowers are far too expensive to use. And for the for the calculus of this game, when you're like, I can maybe use my cool superpower three times and then I'll go fucking insane and try to kill all my friends. Well, it depends. Because there is... <laughs> the way the mechanics of that work, you know, jumping ahead to a random thing, mm-hmm. is... Uh, you either have always on powers or powers you use. Yes. So if you if you have like super strength or speed or something like that, shit that isn't like, oh, this is a usable power. It's just always that way. Then, you know, when I pick up a truck, I don't get stressed out. I don't, you know, freak out or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does lower my threshold if I have other powers. Yes. 
So if you make a guy and you're like, what did you do? We made a super strong, super resilient guy. He never tests for stress anyway because it's all just baseline shit. Man, I wish that was true. But you also test for for uh, your your loss of sanity or whatever it's called, your uh, your stress mechanic. Every time you take any damage at all or every time you've been fighting for at least five rounds cumulatively. Well, that stops after two. <laughs> after ten rounds, you don't take any more stress. That's fair. But you know who doesn't take test for stress twice when they're getting into regular fights to go insane and try to kill their own friends? Regular fucking soldiers. Why are Actually, you making these guys? I don't know, because, I mean, given the way that this is written, we don't know what regular soldiers no, that, do. That's a good point. I'm, I'm 100%, just... that might be the stress mechanic is like, yeah, that's just regular PTSD. <laughs> these guys also have to deal with super PTSD. <laughs> it's just it's just one of those games where I feel like they were like, we we got to show how terrible the process is, and then they made it like 10 times more terrible than, than it. And, and the problem with that isn't that I'm trying to downplay the real effects of war. What I'm saying is making this ridiculous pumped up super version of it cheapens the fact that there is a real problem already that is widely uh, understood and still not addressed appropriately. Well, yeah, but I mean, the fuck is a fucking RPG writer going to do about that? None of this. That's what they're going to do. None of this. Oh, okay. So we're not. (laughs) If you're writing about something, you shouldn't write about a problem that already exists in any sort of allegory. Is what you're saying? No more talking about normal everyday problems in a different way. That's what Jeff says. No, what I'm saying is that this book tries to do both and ends up cheapening the real one in favor of this ridiculous, silly one. It's uh, I don't want I, I'm trying to come up with an equivalency like like an example, but all of them are too horrible to come. I'm like, well, what if you had a world with slavery, but then someone invented a kind of super slave? And I'm like, wait, no, I don't want to address that. That fucking sucks. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I, that that kind of bothered me a little bit. I'm, I'm not going to I mean, obviously, I'm not going to lie. I've just been sitting here punching a book. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I hate this much less than you did. That's fair. But there's a lot of other things in here that I didn't care for. Oh, no. I'm not saying this is perfect. This is is hot garbage. There's plenty of shit in here. I mean, the stress mechanic in and of itself, if you aren't doing a soldier who's like, no, I just took always on power so I wouldn't have to deal with that shit. If you're like, what do you have? Oh, I can spit acid and I can be a chameleon and all of this shit. You're like, great. Every time you use it, you get like four stress. And if you get above ten then you freak out in one of these many ways. (laughs) You know, like two nights ago, you and I sat down and played a push-your-luck mechanic-based board game. Yep. And this is very uh, indicative of what our our types are in that game, which is you can't not push your luck. And I I never will. (laughs) I will always be like, no, the the efficient way to play this game is to take the, uh, the, 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 the one power that's good and then just play exactly to the point where I don't bust every turn forever and you're like i busted like six times this game i should <laughs> i should never have played this <laughs> but, but all i need is one good run i'm due because <laughs> <laughs> to me when i hear you say that you're like yeah you could take a lot of cool powers but then you'd go insane immediately from using them i'm like then the game fucked up if you can't use your cool powers without going insane the game fucked up yeah it's i mean it definitely feels like a game where if you got a bunch of powers that weren't Mm-hmm. always on you'd have to be like oh i use these sparingly and by like, sparingly we mean like once every couple of days because at most you can lower your stress by like one, every, 12 every 12 hours. hours yeah yeah and so it has to be 12 hours since you have gained stress so if you're like all right i get into a firefight this after five rounds i'm gonna get stress anyway yeah 
So whatever, I may as well spit acid at this guy or something and get another three. Yeah, like the thing, you spit acid, you gain four stress. You know, as you're doing that, that at best, you will get that stress back in two full days. At best, because each 12 hours is not a guaranteed stress recovery, but a test to see if you get stress recovery. Well, I mean, you could get it in 12 hours because the big, the high end of That's stress true. recovery right. is yeah. like yeah. you recover 12 stress. All right, let's talk about the mechanics about that real quick. Um, the actual mechanics of this. Sure. 2d10 based. It's 2d10 based with exploding doubles. Uh, if you ever roll, except for certain rolls, if you ever roll a double, you keep that value and then roll again and add that. And you can keep doing that. Uh, then you add the value of your skill, which is usually the value of your stat, plus any additional purchased uh, amount. If you're rolling an unskilled check or, or just something that doesn't have a skill associated with it, then you just add the value of your stat. There are seven stats. They start an average person, starts at zero. And stats are uh, starting characters can purchase stats that range between zero and six. But, of course, super characters can purchase powers that take them way beyond that assumed human maximum. Yes. Those seven stats are strength, dexterity, speed, who boy, resilience, uh, aura, intelligence, and willpower. Hey, you got them all. You fucking remembered a thing. Goddamn. <laughs> High five. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I appreciate no, the positive I, reinforcement. I will celebrate your victories. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, it's my birthday, and I'm more mature now. <laughs> so... The thing I really want to talk about there, you notice that the base stat, like an average human, has a zero. Here's the fun thing about this game that always bothers me, and we've only encountered it once before when we did Mayfair's Batman the role-playing game, uh -huh. which is where someone is like, you know what's hard to remember and understand? The common units of measurement that you grew up with. What if instead of any of those, I just said units and used units for everything. Yeah, I was, I'm glad that you remembered it was from Batman, because when I was reading it, I was like, what the fuck was that other RPG we read <laughs> where someone was like, look, you can have three units of anything. Time, weight, strength, who cares? It's all units now. Volumetric pressure, it's units. You just have to memorize these convenient 26 new charts. Now, every plus three units doubles the previous thing from where you added three from so it's got a weird logarithmic scale and you're like why does this exist it's so annoying every time it's like hey if you five units of time is equivalent to 16 seconds here pop quiz what, what's five days 48 units great what why? happens if you have a 15 unit weight car and you add another 15 unit weight car are you at 30 units no it's a logarithmic scale you're at 18 units <laughs> fuck you it's much easier to remember that if you take a 2,000 pound car and add another 2,000 pound car you have 4,000 pounds of car that's intuitive and easy to remember it's amazing how much easier it is to not deal with that shit especially because the book gets it wrong a bunch of times the the fact that this book decides yeah fuck it we've got a dumb chart of nonsense and we're gonna use that for everything i'm like okay i know you have units and that's how you do your powers you're mm -hmm. like oh you get certain units worth of power and that's gonna go essentially like in the way that you would do skills are like, oh, I have three in this and a dex of five, so that's an eight. I'll roll 2d10 and add it to that. But I have nine units of a power, so if I'm using the power, I just add nine yeah. to my 2d10. Great. That's easy. That's fine. But when they're like, ah, you have ten units of strength, huh? 
well <laughs> like don't don't do it yeah here's the thing i'm a ri- i'm born in america i'm a ride or die fahrenheit man that's what that's the temperature range i understand right i love it it's it's more uh great gradient you can get yeah. more in between but i don't pretend it's good i just pretend it's what i grew up with oh i pretend it's good celsius is good because zero and 100 mean something and you understand what they mean Zero is freezing water, 100 is boiling water. Well, zero and 100 means something in Fahrenheit. Sure. It is cold and it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Not especially hot. Not freezing. You can walk around in it. <laughs> but, but it's cold. The, re- the reason I'm getting at this is because what- there's a pop quiz after the unit chart in the book where it's like, pop quiz, how fast can a hero run in zero units? And I'm like, no amount of space because zero units is no units. And it's like, wrong. Zero units is just the middle of a chart. There's negative three units. Zero because it, 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 everything is every three units, one direction or another, mm-hmm. is either doubled or halved. So fuck you. So zero units of weight is about thirty pounds. No, it should be zero pounds because it's zero units of weight. There's no units. There, there, there are no units of weight. It should be no pounds. No, it's like thirty. It makes the most sense. Yeah, everyone's stats are zero, like you would assume. And then the other thing that's fun is that all the units are a range. And then in the pop quiz, they're like, "All right, pop quiz, uh, new players." How long is a rope of 15 units? And the answer should be anywhere between 50 and 60 feet, because that is how far 15 units is. And the answer is actually 50 feet. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's a range of anywhere between 50 and 60. You made up your units so that they represent ranges and scales. You need to be the one to respect that. Then you need to be the person to go run Dungeons and Dragons, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Asshole. Uh, God <laughs> so, bless. So anyway, seven stats ranging between zero and six. Also ranging so much higher than that because of superpowers. Uh, the thing about this game that will be call- that will cause analysis paralysis during game design. It's very similar to Shadowrun in this, in that you need to allocate uh, four sets of things in which you will gain. Uh, you will use to build your character. It's not like Shadowrun because it's not just blocks of points. Instead, you are given a twenty million dollar budget that you need to invest in. Recruitment is one of the four. Uh, genetics, uh, engineering, uh, con- uh, reconditioning, and uh, genetic su- surgery, su- surgery, and, and implantment. So you need to put a, a, a amounts and values in groupings of one hundred thousand dollars in each of those four categories, and each one does something different. <laughs> Except for the surgery and the uh, the aftercare one, because those have three specific amounts that yes. you can buy. Yes. So for each $100,000 you invest in recruiting, you get one point of stat. You get per- one recruitment point. One recruitment point, which is a, a Which is both stats and skills. Used to purchase stats and skills. Uh, for each $100,000 you invest in, in uh, genetic manipulation, you get one point to purchase uh, ranks of powers, uh, which use a whole separate chart based on how many units of that power you would like, based on how much potency that chart has. There's also an initial startup cost you have to pay for each power before you can start buying potency ranks. Yes. Skills and powers both have a... Skills are a flat five to get a skill, and then you pay extra to get more. Yeah. Uh, powers all have a varied amount to begin getting that skill, and then a varied one to three potency that will then... However many units you want in that skill, you'll go to the potency chart and then see how many units uh, per cost it takes to get. To but you can it. also go to uh, four or zero yes, in the potency because you could get a bonus to your power or a limitation on your power. Yes, because uh, bo- potency isn't actually how strong your power is. It's just how expensive it is to purchase. Well, it's, it's how... 
powerful that power yeah. is in an ideal situation of like, okay, being able to like bite someone is potency one because no one gives a shit. Yeah. But being invisible is potency three because that's fucking great. Yeah. I feel like they didn't. It's in an ideal situation if ranked by someone who actually knew what they were doing and not just arbitrarily assigning the ranks, which is what appears to have happened here. <laughs> um, the other, Basically, to boil down the way you purchase powers and skills is get ready to have like six bookmarks because you're going to need to have the book open to like 15 different tables. I also, I fucking, the fact that they decided, they were like, okay, there are different potency ratings, and that's going to mean it's more expensive for higher potency powers to get more units. But then they also increased the initial buy-in cost. I'm like, but you already have a mechanic for increasing the purchase cost. Why not just have it be a flat, you spend whatever and get it. Dog, it's Why? the 90s. There's no cap on how many mechanics you're allowed to put in these things. And it's not Just like, put them more in. And it's not like potency one. All of them cost 10 to buy in. Potency two, they cost 20 to buy no, in. No, they're random. No, a potency one could be like, it's five to buy in this potency one, but this potency one takes 15. Oh, I'm whimsical and capricious. Just go back for seconds on mechanics. Dip that shit in the chocolate wonderfall. No one's going to judge you. <laughs> Take not that for- chicken leg and put it in that fountain of chocolate. At least, I guess, not for like 35 years and then some people, or 25 years. Then two guys will fucking judge you. <laughs> We're going to show up and judge hard. <laughs> Uh, the other two things you can you have to uh, nominate or um, assign amounts of your starting $20 million budget to, those two just straight up are $100,000 per point that you would like to have to invest. The other ones are done by variable costing amounts. One of them is surgery and implantation because basically when you're creating your character, you take on the roles of the people who create your character. Yeah, because the reason every $100,000 gives you more stats and skills is because that's the recruitment one, and it's mm-hmm. like, how much did this company spend to find someone that's great? Yes. Which is hilarious to me, given that they want to do the, oh yeah, the these companies want the very best because they need someone who can go through the training and come out the other side being a badass. They want, you know, the best to go into it. But then we also want to have the, yes, every single low-income person goes into the military, yeah. obviously. And I'm like, that's weird. Because you're telling me that the world, of course, has gone super into the, you know, rich get richer, poor get poorer, and all the poor can do is go join up with fucking Allied Mayhem, but then when I make a character like, oh, Allied Mayhem spends millions to find the best of the best, I'm like, no, they don't. (laughs) They get... 20,000 new people showing up every day going, I have no money. Why are they making, why are they going through all this fucking work to find the best of the best of the best over and over again when a huge part of the opening story was how fucking cheap and easy cloning is? Once you find that best of the best of the best, just make a million of them and you're done. Oh, because they won't have the skills, you see. (laughs) They're going to be fresh-faced little baby boys. clone them as a baby then. It's cheap to graduate someone. Anyway, um, what was, especially if you have a VR machine you can put them in that teaches them things. I'm just saying they have that. But so surgery, you pay points into that to get a skill rating for the surgeon who puts your superpowers into you. Because uh, the, the the base mechanic of this uh, is, like we said, there's the 2D10, but everything is you versus the GM in a roll. So it's not I fucking hate, by the way. It's not just like uh, the difficulty is seven and you roll 2D10 and add your shit and see if you get above it or how well you do above that. It is instead, it'd be like, okay, the difficulty is for... You have seven in the skill. You roll 2d10. 
Uh, assuming you don't get doubles, you just take that and add your seven in skill. Mm-hmm. Great. The GM then goes, oh, the difficulty's four, so I roll 2d10 and add the four for the difficulty, and then you, there are two different types of challenges. There's pass-fail, so either you beat the number the GM rolls and you pass, and we don't need to worry about gradation. Right. Or there is a letter grade for how good you did that goes from F to A. Based on the difference between your success roll versus the difficulty roll. Yeah, so if you got a zero or less, you get an F on there. If you get a one to three, it's a D and so on. If you get up to, I think it's more than 12 or 11. 11 plus is an A. Yeah, 11 plus is an A. Yeah. So, eh. I'm just, I, you know, uh, you took the book, so now I don't have anything to punch for emphasis. But randomizing difficulty is a mark of distrust in the uh, in the uh, game runner of the game. They can uh. come up with their own fucking difficulty. Not every single time you roll dice in the game does it need to be a dice roll versus another die roll. It's fucking boring. It's just an unnecessary extra step. It's going back to the chocolate wonderfall. It's weird to me because, you know, at this point, like, oh, but normally you only do that in contested things. Yeah. But here is like. No, literally every roll in this, if you want to do something, yeah, we've done that the already. GM has to roll with you. Nothing new under the sun. That was the mechanic we encountered in Orc the role-playing game, where all of the difficulties were also randomized because the Orc gods hated you and didn't want you to understand what was going on. Here I just assume Ray Winninger hates you and doesn't want you to understand <laughs> what's going on. Uh, so, I don't know, maybe he's the god of Orcs. Maybe that comes with being the guy in charge of D&D. Maybe. Um, anyway... Uh, <laughs> So yeah, randomized difficulty. I just, I, I really, every time, it's funny, I came to the table today like, I didn't hate this, this was fine. But now discussing it, I'm like, this fucking sucked. <laughs> anyway, surgery so, yeah. surgery has to be implanted in you, it's a chance for your character. You can't really get worse, you can get better. Oh, you can get worse. Oh, that's right, so it's these, the next one you can't get worse yeah, at. Yeah, the surgeon that you get, depending on how much you spend, will have a certain uh, seven, skill nine or ranking. 12. Yeah, 7, 9, or 12. So they will... Sp- Roll, you'll roll your 2d10 for your surgeon, mm-hmm. and then the difficulty of implantation is... I think four. it's four? It's four. So they, GM rolls 2d10 plus four, and then you look at, how did you do in the chart? If you fucked up and you're like, yeah, I got an F, you're like, oh, whatever you bought, so if you bought eight units of bite, you're like, great, if you got an F, you only get seven units, fuck you. Yeah, this weird mix of point buy and random roll... Doesn't sit right with me, but I I guess I get it. Well, yeah, each uh, ability, the enhancements, the powers, have a max number of units you can buy in them. So it'll be like, oh, you can only buy six units worth of whatever. And the implantation roll is the only way at start to get above that. Because there is XP in this game. You can buy extra. Mm -hmm. But at the start, uh, you can get, if you get a... C, B, or A, you can get a plus one, two, or three to your units. Yeah, the number you spent in it. And then the next thing is uh, conditioning. And this is how well you were integrated into that Slumberland VR training software. And what this one can do is reduce the natural stress ratings that your your various powers start you with. Well, yeah, because it'll either be... Or uh, it can't increase them. It can only reduce them. Yeah. So you get your uh, your counselor has his their skill rating. You roll for that. Uh-huh. The difficulty for counseling though is nine, nine rather than yeah. four. So it's way harder to get that, and also way more expensive if you want a good counselor. Yeah. Uh, but with that one, you can't be more stressed out, which is at least nice. Yeah. If you're like fuck it, I don't care. I don't spend anything on it. 
my counselor shows up and goes, hey, how you doing? That's great. And then leaves. <laughs> Fine. Sure. Whatever. I can't get worse. But if you get a C, B, or A, you can get minus one, two, or three to the stress of your ability. And that is either the stress you spend. So it might be like, oh, it takes, you know, four stress to spit acid. But I got an A in my counseling. So now I only cost one stress to spit. Yeah. Uh or if it's a constant ability, those, instead of making you stressed out by using them, they just lower your tolerance. You start at a 10, mm -hmm. and if you're like, oh, I'm super strong. All right, well, depending on how many units you got, it makes it so that the amount of stress you can endure will go down. So it's like, oh, this made your tolerance go from 10 to 7. Yeah. So that way, with the minus 1, 2, or 3 to stress, it just goes, oh, instead of losing 3 tolerance, you only lose 2 tolerance or whatever. Yeah. So for the most part, that's most of the rules you really need to know. Uh, the only other thing is of relevance is that there is a difference between uh, skill values that go through the A, B, C, D, E, F, the grading system, or what are called PF skills, which is just pass-fail. Yeah, I mentioned it. Okay, good. Um, so, so yeah, there's... Oh, and then there, I guess there's the health system. Uh, the health system in this game is extremely simple. Uh, you have light, medium, heavy, incapacitated, and kill-based wounds. And uh, they work, every character has the same starting amount of health. The only thing that really matters is your resistance roll or, or how much you manage to not get penetrated by an attack that hits you. Uh, so, for example, if you take a light wound, you, you are now at light wound. If you take a medium wound from there, you do not go to medium wound because medium wounds count as two. So you jump down the track from light wound to heavy wound. Yep. Um, so it's it's a very quick death system. You have like four hit points. Everyone does. Yeah, but you do need to actually take the damage in order for that to happen yes. and again that is a contested roll if someone even if they manage to hit you then the roll for did they do damage is now contested and so yeah. they could be like oh i hit you it just didn't do anything yeah and in another example of a thing i don't like in role-playing games every attack roll in this game is at least three rolls because first they have to make a pass fail to see if they hit you then they have to make a penetration roll to see how much damage they do. Then you have to make a resistance roll to set the difficulty of their penetration roll to see whether or not you can avoid that damage. And it can be more if you want to, like, double tap. And one of the most amusing things to me, this game has a mechanic of how much you can do during an action of one automatic action and one non-automatic action. An automatic action is things like yelling or running, running. yeah, walking your speed or, uh, a, you know, just the basic stuff, like free actions in other games. And a non-automatic action is the thing you do that round. You shoot Anything at someone takes a uh, role to do, essentially, is a non-automatic action. Yeah. So if you would have to bring dice into it, that's one action. So at a certain point when I was reading this game, and I kept looking at all these drawings of the soldier of the superheroes from the game, where all of them are ugly, giant muscle fucks that look like they were from that alma mater role-playing game we read a while ago, Ugh. but they're all strapped up with more guns than, like, 90s cable and just fucking have a million things and shit hanging off them. I was like, so wait, do they just not use their superpowers ever? Why would they? If you use your superpowers, you get to do one thing per turn. But if you fire a gun, you can fire up to its rate per turn. So guns, you can routinely get four attacks, where with literally anything else in the game, you are always locked to one. Well, with guns, if they have a high rate, you can fire at people as long as they are standing next to each other. Because mm -hmm. you can't be like, it's got a rate of four, I'm going to shoot a guy over there, and a guy over there, and a guy over there. Now, you know who's a great target for someone who's standing really close to each other is the same guy four times, which you can't just punch him four times. All you can do is shoot him four times. Yeah, but you don't shoot him four times. You shoot him and then add three to whatever your role is. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, because the, well, I mean, the shooting multiple times is... 
every bullet beyond the first just reduces their chance of not being hit. Right. But still, that's better than punching. It's just, it's silly to me that they were like, well, I mean, I'm, that depends. If my I'm, strength is fucking 12 and this gun is a five damage, I'm like, I'll punch a guy. Hey, you know what? That's a fair point. Although it's hard to get up to a strength of, of 12 and it's easy to buy a gun with a high shoot rate. Oh, yeah. And, and also shooting a gun with a high shoot rate won't drive you insane and force you to run away from the fight. <laughs> well, neither will punching a guy because you see, super strength is always on. Fight me. I, anytime you don't like something, for some reason, it makes me want to like it so much more. Estrogen. Estrogen is great. It is the cheap and easy way for someone to be able to transition. <laughs> That's not what it's described as in the book. In no. the book, it's described as they show a picture of a dude with huge pecs and giant nipples. And then, they're, oh, oh, by the way, estrogen is a cheap alcohol available to the uh, proletariat that basically uh, has a lot of female hormones in it. So it's it, hyper uh, addictive mm -hmm. because it has human hormones. In yes, it. but also it makes you grow boobies. So in the book, there's an, the only time that you, they, they see it outside of like one ad for it is there's this picture of this fucking pug muscle dude, but he's got big visible nipples through his shirt. And this description is written as, this guy has definitely got big muscles, but maybe he needs to lay off the estrogen if he doesn't want to look so girly. And I'm like, yeah, sure. It would be a great trans allegory if it wasn't fucking made out of hate. I mean, it's not made out of hate. It's made out of stupid asshole. <laughs> Fair. I'll the, take the that. The thing is, I read it and I was like, dude, that would be great if you could go to the fucking grocery store and be like, yes, I would like to not consult a doctor and just get my estrogen fix from this alcohol, please. Yeah. That would make so many people's lives oh, way better. For sure. For sure. If you were able to buy Teddy Pepsi over the county counter instead of Teddy Skittles from your doctor, that would be phenomenal for everyone who wants to be an MTF transitioner. That said, I did not see a testoster vodka for the uh, for people who would like to go the other way. I guess it would be uh, tequilosterone. <laughs> Which, hey. It's in there now, baby. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's this in my was, game. No, this was written by a dumb asshole. You don't get to make it good after the fact. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and besides, it's not like I'm not going to bring up the Ubangi next. Oh, no. There is, like I said, there are some inexcusable shit in this. So, once you've... Oh, you know what? We did... There is a part of the character creation we didn't go into. One of them is optional. You can roll for a bunch of D, 2D10s to check on what your military career was like. It's boring. It doesn't matter. You'll, you'll hear more about that one in the bonus content. If you go to us, <laughs> patreon.com slash system mastery, you can listen to us make characters in underground. We made some sad vets that came back from war and they have superpowers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, support us. It's the $1 level, patreon.com slash system mastery. You'll find all about the life path option that is in this. Yes. Otherwise, we're going to skip it because the other thing you pick is your archetype. There are eight of them. Which is also optional, but it is eh. also it's super optional because the only thing it actually does is suggest your starting monthly income. Yeah, it gives you your monthly income and then a like, oh, you probably have a contact in the whatever your archetype is. Otherwise, it's just a boring thing where it's like you might be, for example, a vigilante. That means you hate it when you see lawbreakers and you make $25,000 a month. Or you might be a spokesman. That means you signed on with the corporations and you make $50,000 a month. There's eight of them. They're not that interesting. They, they, I mean, I guess they kind of help build the world a little bit, but one of them is straight up a joke. What, that's the the, edge, the the entertainer one, where it's like you're one of the earliest cryo-zombie rebuilds. Which, oh, yeah. It's basically just pick your favorite celebrity that you'd like to be like, uh, me. 
Me, Conan O'Brien. Me, invent podcast. Me, bring out dancing bears or dancing Edos, whichever one of those was me. <laughs> well, whoever did that bit, that's me. <laughs> I, I, I have a weird robo brain. Yeah, that me, Zombie Leno. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here, Zombie Leno. No one likes you. <laughs> so. So that gets you your character, and then uh, you're supposed to, like, join an organization, meet up with your fellow. There's a bunch of shit that manages, like, stress for when you're fighting in combat. Uh, you're supposed to be able to, like, take real-world drugs, like clozapine and shit like that, to oh, help yeah, manage your stress. Every superpower has an associated <sighs> mental problem. Yeah, defend that, fuckface. No, I won't. <laughs> and so when you finish making your character... Whatever power you have the most units in is what your mental issue is. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, ah, the main uh, superpower I have with the most units has psychopathy as its end result thing, then that's what my, if I break stress, then that's what happens. Or I might have like catatonia or so on. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get to the, yeah, you're absolutely right. The The various mental illnesses you can have are like, Homicidal mania, soci sociopathy, uh, catatonia, melancholy, uh, multiple personality disorder. All of them are written with like a child's 80s understanding of what these diseases are. Yes. Basically like how people designed Daredevil in the 70s is, is how this this came about. Um, yeah, the one where it's like, ah, uh, you become a sociopath. And then I was like, none of this is what a sociopath is. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah sociopath sociopathy is, if anything, probably the most easy mental illness to break down into like a one sentence description <laughs> like if you need to explain it to someone you're like uh it means you have an extremely hard time understanding the emotional rel or needs of other people whereas <laughs> in this one it's like uh you want to fight people i'm like what you turn into a psychotic murderer who kills animals and you're like what no it doesn't no that's not that's not this at all but to get back to that other point where i mentioned it briefly and want to make sure i explain it to people oh of course one of the eight archetypes is the primitivist Oh, yes. Which is because God, you're basically ripping off Shadowrun here and there. The primitivist is the person who's like, no, I went out and lived in the woods because because uh, I'm getting back to my roots. And then it's not enough to be like, okay, I guess you're like a woods survivalist. Like, that makes sense for a veteran career, I guess. No, you have to go back to whatever tribe you were from well, no, the or whole, whatever tribe you identify with. The whole primitivist thing is a movement that has happened in the far future of 2021 where people are like, Okay, we've gotten to essentially be anti-technology, so n we reject all of that. And then they create their own tribes mm -hmm. of people who are like, ah, we're anti-technology people, and we have our own tribes in, like, L.A. and New York or whatever, except, okay, <laughs> oh, baby, so, they are bad. <laughs> so there's an example. You have to pick your tribe, and the book tells you you have to be careful when you pick your tribe uh, because other tribes don't like you. Their examples they list are that in Los Angeles, for example, says the book, the Ubangi do not get along with the Yamanomo. These are both real words. Uh, they also mention the Maori, which is a real tribe. So, hey, good work on that one. Uh, the the Ubangi never existed. That's not that's that's a British colonial thing for the part of Africa where lip plates were relatively common as an accoutrement for women. There was never a tribe called the Ubangi. It's they they might as well have said any other thing. 
Um, any other horrible African portmanteau fake word you've ever heard? I'm not going to say any of them. Oh, no. Um, I was like, oh, I immediately thought of a lot of racist things they could have said. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going I'm to not say I'm not going them. to, but they, but they did. <laughs> and I assume it's because it was 93 and he didn't know that wasn't a real tribe, but it's not. Yeah, you didn't have the ability to just Google up, hey, is this an actual thing or have I just heard this somewhere? Hey, hey Microsoft Encarta, what is this? Because if you look it up, Wikipedia that, they'll tell you right away, like, oh, yeah, there's like a river called that. There was a guy called that. Also, it's an antiquated racist term for women with lip plates. <laughs> yeah, but in 93, they didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. They just figured it was normal. So the y- uh, Yamanomo, on the other hand, are, uh, they're not uncontacted tribes. They are, they are uh, contact, but they're like 235 intentionally retaining or using old technological development uh, ter- ter- tools in uh, northern central South America. Mm-hmm. Notably, neither tribe, fake as they are, because, again, one of them's a grouping and the other one doesn't exist at all, hate each other in Los Angeles. What are they doing there? How'd well, you see, what happened was, in the future, when people were like, oh, I've decided I hate technology, I'm creating my own tribe, they went, what should I name myself? Yeah. And then they went, ah, I've heard of this term before, and I'm like, you know, the saddest part about this is it is believable in that a bunch of people would just go, oh, I've heard the term Ubangi before. I guess that's us now. I, I got to say, I assume he was just being, he was like, I'm being good when he did this because it was like, it was 1993. The Rwandan crisis was in full swing. So I'm just glad he didn't say the Hutu and the Tutsi. Yes. I'm just, I'm just glad for that. Although really, this is a great example of a place where you should make some shit up. Don't don't drag real tribes into your bullshit. Yeah, no. If if you're like, there's a a primitivist movement. It's just a movement among people that exist in various countries. And yeah, like, great. Then you can just call them primitivists, neo luddites, whatever. Not go ahead and give them the name of various actual tribes of people, or almost actual tribes, but really just antiquated racism. Like you tried to introduce some head measuring. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, anyway. What else is there to say here? There's a lot of world building to talk about. Yeah, I mean, the the big thing with this is, like we mentioned with everyone looks like a gross monster, it's because every superpower you get, because it's just a weird we fuck up your genetics thing, mm-hmm. you look fucked up by getting it. If you are super strong, you are a huge, weird, muscle-bound guy who's like, yeah. no, you don't just look strong, you look like you are a mutant. You have if you have fitting. super intelligence, your head is big. Yeah, you have trouble fitting back into society because you look weird. Yeah, That's almost an... anything that is a superpower that you could see on someone, people can be like, oh, I can automatically tell. Like, if you have super jumping, they're like, oh, you've got weird fucking legs. I can tell you have super jumping. Right. That's the thing. When I was talking earlier about how this book bothers me on the veteran front, it's because it does this thing where it's like, just imagine if you came home from war and you were 12 feet tall and blue, people wouldn't accept you. And I'm like, people don't fucking accept you if you come back from war and you look like a regular ass guy. (laughs) (laughs) We have already failed our veterans. We don't need them to be Shreks for us to fail them. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, if they're Shreks, then they can also have superpowers. (laughs) So I'm just... (laughs) I'm with, I've got that rage I've gotten from watching any John Stewart thing recently. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, other than a bunch of world building, um, which I think we got it went over enough. That's pretty much all there is. Plus, we've been talking for an hour. Uh, it might be a good time to start the wrap up unless you have big things you want to get into. Not really. I mean, there is so much world building in this. And I think the fact that it does do as much as it does is like, 
it goes a long way for certain things to be like, I can see the position you are in. I mean, you're very clearly an early 90s liberal and that you're like, I'm trying, but you fucked up because it's the early 90s and obviously you <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like, I want to write a thing where it's like, let me do, you know, a superhero thing, but I want to go, hey, corporations, bad. Hey, not taking care of our veterans, bad. Mm. Hey, all of this shit, like the way that you can buy your way into having like government stuff, bad. Yes, these are all things that are indeed bad, but then you put a lot more layers on it and you fucked up. Yeah, I get that. And I don't I don't necessarily disagree. I would say one of the things I don't look for when I'm looking for a role-playing game, and this is just personal, this is I, I'm willing to accept that other people like this, is a sense of absolute defeatism. I don't want to play a game where like ultimately you're just gonna get ground down by the system and you'll be immediately replaced by the next thing. Um and that's this game has a little bit of a hopeful tinge to it. There is an underground. They are doing things. They are trying to affect change. Yes. But they are beyond the underdogs. They are not going to succeed. The, the machine will simply keep turning. They will get killed by the by the super police. And that's that, that's the way the game wants you to feel. Like you're you're battling against hopelessness. That is at least for me, one of the things is there is unless you are a veteran, there really isn't a super police. The only people with superpowers and enhancements are these people who have been like veterans of this weird cold war. Yeah. And so when you show up and you're like, yeah, you know, me and my buddies just got back from, you know, Paraguay and everything sucks and we hate everything. But you're like, yeah. And when the police show up to try and stop you from doing a thing, if you're like, we're going to try and take down the local government or whatever, mm -hmm. they just have regular guns. And you're like, yeah, dude, I'm a fucking rhino. I'll one, do whatever the fuck I want. One of the eight archetypes is you joined the police. Well, yes, obviously <laughs> the, the, uh, like DM stuff in this has a section where it's like, figure out what you want to do with your game. Yeah. Are you part of the underground? Are you, instead of being like, you know, vigilantes fighting, are you going to try and fight from like, oh, are you running for office? Are you yeah. going to try and do it from the inside? Or do you just fucking become a corporate spokesperson and just shill your way through it? And the fact that they have the option of you just join the system and not a, I'm going to try and change it from the inside, but just fuck you got mine yeah. as an option for how to play this game. It's like, no, if I make a character and then I'm like, oh, what are we doing? Uh, your, uh, your call time is at five this morning for a new commercial for this company. Yeah. Oh, what then? Then I guess you go home. Check to see if you go insane, I guess. Uh, there's no stress. So I guess well, you just get some money, go home and no one cares. Oh no. Hopefully no one attacks you on the drive home just to try and drive you insane. So you can interact with the mechanics of this game. <laughs> yeah. It's, here, I'll give this game an open-faced compliment sandwich. In so, it, in that all I have said about it so far is that I didn't like it very much. I will now say a nice thing. The DM section is actually very good. There's good advice there. Um, so there was a bunch of stuff about how to like work with a with a group, how to like uh, drive group goals, how to treat the, the yourself as a fan of the players, which is a nice thing to see as early as '93. Oh yeah, the fact so, that it that level of talk to your players about what they want the game to be about. Make sure that you care about what the players are doing and want them to succeed. Like, yeah, that level of DM advice in 93. Wow. Hey, good job. Yeah. So there you go. An open faced compliment sandwich. And then on the top of that sandwich, the gravy of bullshit. <laughs> but that said, it is time to go into the best and worst. So 
Let me Love just it. ask. Let me just ask you, John. What is your favorite thing about Ray Winninger's Underground? Uh, I think my favorite thing in this, honestly, has probably got to be the the little bit that it does to be like, hey, maybe pay attention to how fucked up veterans get. Yeah, like yeah. the amount of stuff where they go. Hey, and, you know, there are these programs you could go into and you could apply to get, like, grants or you could apply to try and get, like, the ability to go to school. You will almost certainly be denied that. I'm like, God damn. Yeah, there's this whole bit where it's like, if you would like to apply for the GI Bill and veteran housing, roll 2D10. Unless you roll an 18, you don't get it. You can roll next year unless you roll an 18. You don't get it. Also, now you're done trying. Yeah, if you if you fail twice in a row, they'll just auto-deny you. Yeah, so, uh, so that's, you know, that's I, I agree with you that that stuff, it's right before the character creation section. It gets into this deep detail about what it's like to be a veteran and try to interact with the services that the the, the co- corporation and country that sent you off to war promised you would be what you, you would be waiting uh, when you got back and how they aren't really there, how you've yeah. been sold a false promise. There's all of this propaganda about how this is, you know, the only way to, you know, get yourself out of debt or poverty and the real world analogous things, I think, as far as at least the veteran portions of this go, mm-hmm. are well done. Right. So for me, I feel like that's the best thing in this is how they handled the veteran parallels in a like hyper super realism world versus the actual world. Okay, that's that's good. I agree. What is with you. your favorite thing in this? I was pretty much just going to say that. So rather than just saying I agree and continue to talk about it, I'm just going to highlight a few things I did like in the story. I like that the catalyst for the world going crazy was the uh, the crash landing of an alien ship where the aliens died. Specifically, the thing I like about that is that the book does not contain a grand global conspiracy about how the aliens are still here and how they are controlling things from the shadows. Oh no, and the how they're aliens the real crashed, enemies. and then that is it. That is the end of the story, and I appreciate that about this. As an alternate history thing, where I didn't have to read about how, like, also the aliens are still around. That's what the Illuminati is—a bunch of lobsters. And I'm like. I appreciate that it's just a catalyst and then you're done. I like that. Oh, yeah. I I did appreciate that. The fact that it's like, look, uh, in 96, so even the future of when this is coming out, aliens crash land and that fucks everything up. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to bother going like, Oh, and also Kennedy was assassinated by a lobster alien. You're like, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's hilarious that you choose to mention Kennedy given that a huge portion of this book, or a small portion, rather, of this book's story is about how they recently, like... They have Mecha Kennedy. They have a Mecha Kennedy with Kennedy's real brain in it or something. Well, it, they took Ken- they Kennedy's a chunk of body his brain. and a chunk of his actual brain, and, of course, the computerized auto brain that you can get, anyone can get, and they're like, yeah, we just, we just made Mecha uh, atomic Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah, the, the Atomic Kennedy. Yeah, they call him the Atomic Kennedy, and he's like... Supposed to be the guy who's going to change the world, but so far he just hasn't. And, Which and I appreciate is, that part of the story, that the fact that they built this thing thinking it would matter, and he doesn't. And instead, he is just uh, the main character in a TV show instead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, incidentally, all of the TV shows they make up sound fucking... Re- the, the, this is kind of like reading Margaret Atwood's takes on what the far future is going to be like, where she is an incredibly good metaphorical story writer who crafts these really incredibly trenchant commentaries about things, but she can't think of a fake company to save her fucking life. And so everything that comes out of that part of her sounds fucking ridiculous. This is the same thing where it's like, uh, this is a neat incisive commentary about, about veterans and the way uh, the world is failing them. Also, it's a, 
making fun of McDonald's and also reality this TV. Friday from Avant Garbage. Oops, my dick got punched. Yeah, and you're like, what the fuck is this shit? Just narrow your focus. <laughs> Pick your targets. You know that didn't need to happen. Yeah, this is all fucking terrible, and it makes it worse. So anyway, I'm sorry. That's me straying right so into there. the worst. Yeah. What's your least favorite thing? Oh. Good gracious. There are several things in this that I very much did not like. Yeah. Uh, mechanically, the fucking units thing, I hate so goddamn much. The everything can be boiled down to a series of units. I'm like, stop it, don't. We already have a series of units. They have names. Mm-hmm. And people instinctively understand them. <laughs> All you're saying is, hey, keep this book open to page 35 if you want to understand what the fuck is going on. Yeah, because there is a 0% chance that you will ever memorize the entirety of this weird-ass unit chart that goes from, like, negative 10 up to 63 and can keep going, technically, because they're like, well, all you need to do is find a measurement and then double it and add plus 3 until you get to the thing you want. Yeah, and I was like, okay, hang on, let me just work this out, because I made a character who has one of his powers, has a a time time measured in units that is the the ranks that i purchased in the power right yeah so i was like all right what the fuck is 14 units let's go look that up and i was like well it sounds pretty powerful i invented or i invested a fuckload of points in 14 units seems like it should be a decent amount 41 seconds woohoo i'm like why what is the point why especially in a game where there isn't i I think it's zero units is how long your turn's supposed to last you know i'll piggyback on yours without saying this is also my least favorite but any system where zero is not zero yeah, man. No, the unit system fucking sucks. <laughs> this, like, there's so much very bad, dumb shit in this, but by God, that unit thing is one of those. It's like the, uh, the resolution chart for Marvel's oh, <laughs> face yeah, rip where you're like, yeah. no, you just have to have it open. It's always open. Fuck you. At least for fucking Marvel superheroes, the blessed stupid heart, that's the back cover of the book. Yeah. So you don't even have to have the book open. You just have to have it upside down. The back of the book, the last couple pages, have a few like, oh, here's a few charts, the handy dandy charts. Does it include the unit chart? No, it does not. (laughs) Why? Yeah, basically to paraphrase Mr. Incredible, zero is zero. Why did you change zero? (laughs) Math is math. (laughs) Anyway, your least favorite thing in this. Uh, I mean, I'm also going to stick to mechanically, and I will stick to my guns on this one and say that I really don't like it when the resolution system involves the DM rolling a random number for your difficulty to hit. It means you can never have an understanding of your own competency, and that you're just going to constantly be running into either ridiculously easy wins because of a fluke or comically inept failures because of another fluke. Yeah, the fact that I think one of the big things is the GM also has exploding doubles, If the exploding doubles was only player facing and you're like, yeah, players have the opportunity to just go nuts and have super rolls, I would be like, cool, great. But it means that there are the occasions where you're like, yo, I've got like a plus 15 to this. I fucking rule. I even rolled well. I got like a 15 on that. I'm at 30. What do you got? And you're like, oh, I rolled uh, two nines and then I rolled uh, two eights and fuck you. You get nothing. And you're like, God damn it. It doesn't even need to be like that. Like, basically what it boils down to me is I see that when I first read this, I didn't catch this, this whole like, oh, it's an opposed roll. So it's like, oh, it's just a variable degrees of success game. Like, there's a chance you'll fail if you roll like a two or something. But mostly it's like, oh, a D is just an extremely minor success with a lot of riders. No, a D and a C are like the most common thing you can possibly roll. Because on average, if you're like, I have six ranks in this. Well, the, the extreme difficulty that we're sending you against is a five. So you can expect to beat this value by one. What's one? An F. 
No, it's a D. Oh, it's a, okay, F it's is a D. fail. That's a zero, it's a zero or, less. or less. Yeah, but even then, it's like that. That plus five on either it's plus six and plus five on either side is dwarfed by the by the two to twenty roll that it's sitting next to. Yeah, and the and, fact that that part can explode. The randomness is way heavily weighted over the static values. Yes, the fact that unless you manage to have a static value that is very high, mm-hmm. uh, then most of the time you're like, oh, it's a roll off. Like it doesn't matter. Like if I go, oh, I've got a plus seven to this. What's the difficulty? Six. Why do I even care? Just roll dice and see if you beat me. Like it's, it fe- it's it's a feels bad thing of a random bullshit thing that the DM rolls. Yeah, can fuck you up because the player facing idea of when I roll, if I rolled poorly and I fuck myself up, then at least I go, oh, I didn't do it. But when it goes into the hands of the DM, you're like, oh, I rolled great. You're like, I rolled slightly better. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. And I'm your biggest fan, by the way. I'm your biggest fan, but also you poopy your pants and fall down. (laughs) I do. I will say this. A two is not a failure. There is one power that has a, if you roll the two, you fuck up. Yeah. But there is no auto success, auto failure. If you roll a two, great. That's doubles. You roll again. Yep. Like. I will at least say that not having you rolled two ones, you auto fail is nice. That's nice. It's nice. That's a that's a nice little cherry on top. Yeah, it feels like he forgot to put it in there, but yeah, it's it's nice. Yeah, the fact so many that it does mechanics. exist in certain areas where it's yeah. like you rolled a two, you fail immediately. Stop rolling. I'm like, huh? I feel like you wanted to put this in before and forgot. Yeah. Would you play underground? I don't think I could. Because it's just, I mean, you talk about the bleakness of it, and I'm like, there are certain levels of you are technically maybe able to save things, but everything is so stacked against you, and especially given they're like, yeah, you're a vet, no one likes you, you have no money, you live in a fucking rat house, Mm -hmm. and everything sucks and uh, society trying, sucks and government sucks and you're trying to win the hearts and minds of the people but the people are bred to be stupid as fuck and they spend all their time watching a sitcom called the tortellis and eating human meat yeah they don't want to hear your dumb bullshit and they can just close the door to their house on you it's you know people talk about like exalted uh as a game where it's like oh everything seems like it's super stacked against you yeah you're very powerful but like the whole world is crumbling and at least with that i'm like yeah but the world isn't crumbling in a way that's like specifically anti you yeah whereas this just feels like ah everything sucks and there's barely a chance you can affect it and also everyone hates you i'm yeah. like i don't want to live in that world yeah basically this but this game tells you you're going to go fight climate change and then it tells you the tools you're going to use to do that or you're going to go out and try and beat up the oncoming waves <laughs> yeah it's like i'll fight climate change by I don't know, maybe punching the CEO of gas. And you're like, that's not going to do anything, my man. There is a man below the CEO of gas who is now the CEO of gas. <laughs> that's the t-shirt I'm going to get you, by the way. <laughs> the CEO of gas and the little fart. Yeah. The CEO of unexpected gas. <laughs> Would you play this game? Good Lord, no. Yeah, I, I think I think I think I've said no pretty consistently to these 90s. Superheroes are actually bullshit. Yeah, Yeah. because that's my least favorite incarnation of superheroes in general. Yes. I always find it just disheartening, and it just sounds like people trying to be like, things you like are fucking stupid. You gotta be an adult. Yeah. You know, Batman probably says 
fuck and hangs dong. And you're like, I don't need that. If Spider-Man was real, he'd have a gun by now. You're like, ah, then I'm glad he isn't. You know, <laughs> Good, that's, that's great. <laughs> so, so yeah, I would not play this and may God have mercy on the soul of anyone that would. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah. Patreon. Patreon.com slash System Mastery. $1 level will unlock the bonus content where I grit my fucking teeth and make a character in this game anyway. Do you want to know what sad sacks we had come back from the war? You'll find out. Sad sack, no joke, was literally one of the names in consideration for my character. <laughs> yes. So if you want to hear what that's like, come on down to patreon.com slash sister mastery and support us at the super cheap $1 level. Yes, we are about to increase that to $2, but it's going to be monthly instead of per episode. So it's the same price. It's it's going to be the same price forever. So I'm just just laying that down in case in case uh, you get confused later. Look, you look out in today's world and inflation has gone mad. You can't buy anything for mm-hmm. the price you could 10 years ago. 10 years ago we had $1 for Patreon and we continue $1. Yeah. By God, we are steadfast until, you know, we, have uh, we get to the point where we're like, I can't afford food. <laughs> Please, my family. <laughs> it is coming pretty quick, but we've got other alternatives we're already considering, so it's fine. Everything's fine. Please, my child. <laughs> so so uh, watch that space, because we do have some announcements coming about some things that are going to change around. Uh, not, nothing dramatic. We're always things gonna are going to change around the, here. The show's going to be the show, just like it always has been, but we do have some Except new stuff Except we're happening. going to be brought to you by Enron. <laughs> <laughs> Tasty Ghoul. I'm a people person. <laughs> One of the things that bothered me the most about the Tasty Ghoul thing is there's a picture in the book. I, I'm sorry for Yeah, no, whatever. End. We can end yeah. on this. Uh, there's a picture in the book of an employee, like a teenage employee at Tasty Ghoul. And like it's like, oh, he accidentally went into the back room. And there's like a bunch of like human parts hanging off meat hooks. And I'm like, the fuck, that's how they do it. No one fucking butchers at a fast food restaurant. Yeah, you don't go into the back of McDonald's and see like beef. Yeah. Oh, here's here's a big old cow slab that Rocky's punching. No, instead you stumble back there and there's a big fucking garbage bag that's vacuum sealed on all sides full of a pink slurry that's labeled human 60% man. That's what it would be. It wouldn't be a fucking horror movie like a Freddy goes to McDonald's horror movie back there. That's just fucking shock value for no reason. If you wanted to have an actually be a corporate dystopia nightmare, you'd have a bunch of bags of pink slime labeled children. Yeah. I'm just telling you how to do your job. <laughs> Ray Winninger. 22 I, years ago. I am telling you currently how to do your job as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put pink bags of children slurry in D&D. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> oh, and I guess... You know, my apologies to the artist, Jeff And also Darrow. fire Mike Merles. Also do fire Mike, Mike Merles. I, I don't know what... It, that was probably the thing that endeared me to you the least, was that point where you got hired on, and everyone was like, oh, neat, new leadership. And, like, your first act was to be like, hey, you know all that, that Mike Merles guy that everyone hates? I talked to him, and he said they're all wrong. And I'm giving him his fucking job back. Hooray! And then the internet was like, no, don't. And then you were like, oh, okay, I'm scared of you, internet. That's that's the story of you, Winninger. <laughs> <sighs> he won't listen to this. <laughs> no one's going to play this for Ray Winninger. He's not going to listen to this entire episode and then get to the end and have us be like, eh, eh, fuck you, eh. It isn't, it isn't bravery to give a piece of shit his unearned job back. It's cowardice. <laughs> Thank you and good night. Good night.